don't have to guess at that since I asked Derek Shelton that directly when I was in Brayton a few days ago. And he came right back with, nope. But you know what? Maybe they should from the outside. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates, which comes your way Monday through Friday, early in the morning. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins. The Pirates have been not good for a very, very long time. And yet one very strange constant through all of the years of losing, whether it was the 20-year losing streak or now everything that's come after those three playoff appearances, has been that they've had either a really good or sometimes great closer on hand. Think about it. Go ahead. You'll start going through the names. You'll see what I mean. And most unfortunately, for reasons that are not at all baseball-related, that string ended in the worst way with Felipe Vasquez. And here they are now in Bradenton, sorting through a ton of either straight-up relief pitchers or potential long relievers or secondary starters in this very strange summer. And yes, it'll be another strange summer where pitchers are going to be really managed with inning counts because no one, no one stretched out in 2020, obviously, not at any level, including the bigs where you only had 60 games. Ben Charrington and Shelton have both said that they expect to use 10 or 11 starters this year, not on an emergency basis, but like actually as part of the plan. So right now, the line is blurred between who's a starter and who's a reliever, who's a middle reliever, who's a back-end guy. The only thing that isn't blurred about the pitching situation is that there is no closer. I brought up a couple of names with Shelton. I brought up Richard Rodriguez, and he had some good things to say about him because his final three, three and a half weeks of the 2020 season were mildly encouraging for a guy who hadn't done closing before. But then it wasn't exactly some hearty endorsement either. It was like, oh, no, Richard's got to be our guy. There wasn't any indication of the kind. Kyle Crick's name comes up because Crick's name also came up last year when the job was instead given to Keone Kella. And that ended up exactly the way I knew it would, which was with Kella just vanishing on everybody. And most unfortunately, Crick getting hurt after a really wild start. So there's not going to be anything there until Crick shows himself, shows that he's healthy and he has his velocity back. Then there's Blake Cedarland. Uh, he barely has any experience above the double-A level. And we talk about how he has almost no experience in the majors. He's made four appearances in the majors. But he doesn't have any in AAA. So he, on one hand, would 
figure to need a lot of seasoning. On the other hand, he's 24 years old. He's not a child. And he throws 100 miles an hour. And he throws a slider with obscene bite and obscene velocity. Low 90s on the slider. It's an unfair pitch. But he also sprays. And I saw that firsthand just now when I was down there. I saw him throw a live batting practice where eventually the hitters got so discouraged about swinging, they were just basically standing there with their bats on their shoulders because they knew he wasn't going anywhere near the plate. And some of his grapefruit ball work, it's been better than that, but not appreciably so. There's no closer. So what do you do about that? I've got an idea. This is going to sound so contradictory to everything I've said about the Pirates for the past two or three months, but hear it out because it actually isn't. Go sign one. Go acquire one. I'm I'm talking like a veteran. I'm absolutely serious. It's not like the money isn't there. And in this case, the money wouldn't be wasted. If you go out and get yourself, let's say, an impact center fielder, because you don't have center fielders right now either, at least not anything that you can count on. That, to me, for the most part, is a waste of money. That's just trying to put on a, a semi-show or to save some face in 2021. Not a closer. Not a closer. To me, the closer, if you go out and get one, comes with two potential benefits to your franchise. One, and this is smallish, but it, it, it's worth mentioning. If your young guys that you have currently on the roster were to somehow do pretty well, let's just say you you know got some pleasant surprises out of this young rotation and some of the lineup guys would get back to being who they were in 2019 and you were competitive and you start getting to the eighth inning with leads and you start blowing them because you don't have a closer, you are going to suck the life out of this group. And that doesn't matter toward 2021, but it might matter toward their development. It might matter toward their enthusiasm toward what's being built here. Nothing, nothing, nothing drops a pin into the balloon like a closer blowing a lead. It's devastating, not just for the fans, for the players too. That's one. The other is you can trade the guy and get somebody to grossly overpay. There is not a more overvalued commodity in the baseball world than the closer. Every team that's either a contender or fancies itself a contender believes that they are one closer away from winning it all. They envision themselves, even in June and July, playing in some monster game in October that they can't possibly afford to lose via a late-blown lead. So they will overvalue the closer. And as a result, as we have seen, they will overpay for the closer. Will Charrington do something like this? There hasn't been any indication along those lines. But then he's not the kind to give indications. And maybe as we get near the end 
of Grapefruit Ball and rosters start getting more set around baseball, where they start moving from the 40-man to the 25-man, that's when you start seeing some spare part guys become available or other teams are looking to make real easy trades, meaning you don't have to give up much to get so-and-so guy because they know that guy's going to be cut the next week. You can find someone to do this. You can find someone from the outside to come in here and do this. And in a perfect world, that pitcher comes in and does it for whatever it is, three months, three and a half months, helps your team kind of gain some footing in Pittsburgh, but also builds up enough value that he gets moved out for prospects. And now what you've done is you've signed somebody or you've acquired somebody at a certain price level where you're essentially paying for prospects. You're buying the prospects by paying this individual's salary. Prospects that, by the way, you couldn't otherwise get. You know, they don't have multiple drafts throughout the year. The only way you're going to get these guys is by developing assets that you can move. And this would be one that's bought. It'll cost money. It'll cost money. And I know I can hear everybody nutting this, nutting that, whatever. I'm trying to look at this as if that isn't a factor. We'll see. We'll see. It'll, that'll be interesting. Just remember where you heard this if it ends up playing that way, playing out that way. When we come back, just one question. Just one question. If you'd like to leave one, you can do so by visiting DK Pittsburgh Sports. Find the article that encompasses this podcast and leave it right there in comments. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question. And always on this program, that's brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar and the North Shore Tavern. Those are sister operations right next to each other on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park, the side with the Willie Stargell statue. They're open for business. They're serving everything. At Mike's, you can find more than 300 local beers available in-house from more than 50 local breweries. There's no place like it in the city. There's always, always 80 taps of local. They also are offering specials. Buy three crawlers, get three free. I'm not making that one up. Buy three crawlers and get three free. You also can get 50% off mix and match six packs. Next door at North Shore Tavern, that's the home of the steak on a stone. That's all I ever need to say about North Shore Tavern, other than it's a Pirates fan's delight with the decor in there. Only Pirates Bar in Pittsburgh. Mike's Beer Bar and North Shore Tavern. Today's Just One Question comes from FF Year, who asks, have you gotten any read on how the new management team views the prospects in the system. Love the daily podcast. Thanks for that, and thanks for the question. I've gotten more of a read this spring than what I had in the previous eight months combined. I've gotten the sense internally that after Charrington and Steve Sanders and everybody else did their reviews, they went through the system 
as diligently as they could, understanding that from the moment that Charrington took over from Neil Huntington through to now, they still really haven't seen minor league baseball. They're placing a lot of weight, and I mean a lot, on what they saw in instructional ball. Um, that's good that they did that. That's good that it was an all-hands-on-deck process, and it's better yet that it resulted in Charrington making more of a shakeup through the minor leagues. And I'm not talking about the players here now, but I'm talking about acquisition and development than maybe most people realize. Um, it, it wasn't quite a complete blow-up, but a lot was done. That's the loudest and most important signal that you can get as an observer of the team. He can say anything. He can say it to people like me. He can whisper it. He can say it on the record, whatever. What really matters is what you see with action, and he took action. If you go through the page of the Pirates media guide that lists who is in development and who's coaching this level and who's doing that from Last year to this year, you will see a ton of different names. So that's what Charrington thinks of what the state of the system was that he inherited. The other thing, and this he speaks openly about, when he adds prospects via trade, one of his most common remarks is, uh, we've added... Uh, we don't have anywhere near enough. We've added, we don't have anywhere near enough. Uh, he wants to add talent. He wants to add high ceiling talent. He likes what he's been able to bring in so far, but he sees the quantity and he's been specific about it where he'll say, look, if we have five or six guys in Major League Baseball's top 100 prospects, we need 8, we need 10, we need 12, 13. And he's right, actually, for this plan of his to work. They have to load up. Not even necessarily just at one level. I think there's always a perception that when you do this sort of thing that it's going to be one group of kids that gets together in Class A and comes up with a great team that wins a championship and then goes to Altoona and wins a championship and then goes to Indianapolis. And that's just really not how it happens. You have pressure at all levels. All players at all levels are competing with each other because that's how you fight to move up the ladder. You're always aware when you're in Double A of what's going on in the Triple A rotation, for example. And he wants to have that at every level from the top to the bottom. That makes those players better, which is the other thing that you hear from him a lot. So how does he view the prospects that were there? Obviously not good enough. Now, at the same time, i got to tell you, the next time I hear this man in any capacity criticize his predecessor or anyone associated with his predecessor will be the first. Ben Sherrington's been all class about this. In every way, I think there are a ton of opportunities for him on a probably daily basis to take some kind of jab or a shot, and he's never done that, and I respect that. Uh, 
but he knows it's got to get a lot better. That's that's the that's the bottom line. I I think he's equipped to do that, and I have uh, a lot of admiration for him for having come in and taken that approach. I know not everybody, not all of the fans are happy that he waited a year to do a lot of this. Like, why couldn't we just have gotten this started back then? Because then we'd be sooner off. Why did we have to waste this year? Well, the year was wasted anyway because there wasn't any development to be had. This was the right move. This was the right timing for it. And ideally, we don't know this part, he's made a lot of the right calls as well. Thanks for the question. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.